I still got some reverb on there like that. Who, in a land far away, was the greatest evil emperor? No, but that's actually the question. So tell me, so, tell me, <laughs> uh, somebody that's not here, sorry, I T-balled that up for an angry, angry Republican. Sorry, uh, somebody that's, that is in the past, in the past, that way. Uh, evil emperor, don't worry, we'll get there. We're going to come all the way up. Because this, this passage in Jan, Daniel chapter 6, if you didn't get to, to scan it, even if you don't have the Bible app, we've all learned how to scan menus because of COVID. Uh, those things in the lobby, you can scan them with your iPhone. All you have to do is bring your camera up. It'll bring you to the Bible event. And if you don't have uh, your camera with you right now, um, the Bible app we use is the Version Bible app. It's free. And in this event that we put out every week, it has a place for you to fill out a prayer request, connect card, and it has the notes, the scripture we're going to be reading. So I encourage you guys to do that. Part of me pressing you into getting the Bible app is because I know we're always on these. So I want us to be able to have God's word on our phones and to be able to connect with other people. Uh, so that's, that's the reason for that. So let's go back to the question. Who are some bad dudes in history or dudettes? Nero, bad guy, what did he do? Just lit things on fire, blamed people, killed thousands, tens of thousands. Okay, who's another bad dude? King Herod. All the Herods. Yeah, King Herod in the time of Jesus, if you don't know the story, it's, it's horrendous. He says, in order to, to get rid of the chance of a king taking his spot, he says, go to these villages and kill every child, male born under two years old. Bad dude. Who else is a bad dude? Jafar. Yes. Jafar, bad dude. I mean, tried to get unlimited cosmic power for himself. That's a bad dude. Anyone else you guys have in your mind as bad dudes? Pol Pot, Hitler, mostly. How, how many people did Pol Pot kill? Pol Pot, bajillions? A few millions, right? I think I have Pol Pot on my list. Uh, Hitler, Hitler started, functionally started World War II, which is responsible for over 70 million lives total, plus 6 million Jews. Stalin, tens of millions. Um, coming up in history, Kim, Kim Jong-il, the father of Kim Jong-un. And, and that, that, he died in 2011, I want to say, Kim Jong-il. And in that country of North Korea right now, there are people who are eating animals that are uncooked because it's the only food they can get. You can't escape from there. People are dying of starvation to the tunes of hundreds of thousands, and it's been millions from the time of Kim Jong-il, now through his son's reign, Kim Jong-un. There's the Uyghur Muslims that are getting enslaved, raped, beaten, killed in China right now. So, it's a real pick-me-up for a Sunday morning, huh? My wife asked me a question yesterday. She says, why don't you... Like, really just tell the chapel how you feel, like, politically sometimes. Because if you've noticed, I dance around a little bit. Part of it, there's twofold reason. One is, and the, the answer I told her, is that my job is not to give you my opinion. My job is to give you the Bible's opinion. The Bible is full of wisdom and knowledge and narratives and stories of things that God has carried his people through. You want God's wisdom and truth. You don't want a middle-aged man's wisdom and truth. Amen. B 
Because if you're anything like me, you can look back at yourself five years ago, and how smart were you then? I mean, maybe you have a high estimation of yourself, but every so often I look back at myself and think, that guy made some really bad choices. So that's why. But a passage like this syncs up with a time like this, and I have to ask the question, because in this very, 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 very famous passage in Daniel, the most famous passage in Daniel, you would all say it, even if you didn't grow up in the church, if I said Daniel and the lion's den. That's this story. Daniel's 80 years old, give or take. He's an octogenarian. He's an old man. This is not young cartoon Daniel, okay? This is gray beard, Gandalf-looking Hebrew hybrid Daniel. And we're going to be reading in Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 1. I'm just going to read through, and it's going to be two parts this week and next week. But it, interestingly, it's, and I, I'm, I'm setting myself up here. I'm setting myself up to bother someone. It's not my intention. Don't get mad at me. I'm just trying to deliver the mail. And if I deliver my own opinion, just confront me afterwards or send me an angry email, okay? Because this is a, a story about a government and politics and entrapments of a man of God. It pleased Daniel, or pleased Darius. Darius just took over from Belshazzar. He's the Medes and the Persian leader. And it pleased him to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. He's setting up a government. For those of you who don't know the Bible, lingo is just saying we're setting up governors in these areas to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three high officials, of whom Daniel was one. Everyone go, whoa, whoa. Daniel's over this mega kingdom. He's one of the top dogs. He's, he, we're talking like VP, Speaker of the House levels, what Daniel's been put at. Daniel is one to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. He was a smart dude. He was a kind man. He did what was right. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel. I've never heard of politicians trying to find a reason to complain about another politician in my life. They're plotting on him. Are you catching the drift here? Daniel's been living faithfully. He's gone through all these stories. He's helped Nebuchadnezzar. He helped Belshazzar. And well, really, he helped Belshazzar beat Jesus face to face. And then now it's Darius. And Darius exalts him up, and he gets lifted up to such a place that his enemies go, we got to get him. How are we going to trap Daniel? And they begin playing politics. They could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So they knew his weak spot. I need you to begin seeing yourself in a story because all of us, if you're following Jesus, you live in a culture, whether it's a, a for-Christian, for-God culture or an anti-Christian, anti-God culture, and, and our culture around us will put us in certain positions. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king, and they said to him, Oh, King Darius, live forever. They're buttering him up. We had a president recently. He liked being buttered up. You guys remember that one? I'm, I, here's my goal today. If I don't at least annoy some Democrats and some Republicans, I'm failing as a libertarian, okay? Okay. 
All of the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, the counselors, the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction. Sign the document so that it cannot be changed. It's like, it's like saying, send it to the Supreme Court right away. It's the law of the land. And even if someone wants to get out of it, even you, O king, they can't because it's official. It's a Medes and Persians law. So the trap is set. So they say, we gotta, we're going to get Daniel. I got this idea, guys. Daniel loves his God. So all we have to do is butter up the king and say, make an edict. If someone worships any god but you, they go to the lion's den. Now, I don't know about you, but I can think of like better ways that I'd want to go out. You guys ever play that game when you're on road trips with your kids? Just me. Okay. Like my wife and I do it too. Like, uh, would you rather do this? Would you rather, how would, like, how would you rather go out? How do you want to die? Because there are certainly ways that we don't want to. Like when I was looking at bad dudes, the ones that came up, man, they, they did some terrible things. I, I'll never forget like the modern day when I went to Germany and I walked through Dachau. And have you guys been through there? Didn't, wasn't it haunting? to know and they have like pictures like here's Dachau was a concentration camp it wasn't like Auschwitz where they just went to killing quickly Dachau is where they experimented to find out how to kill humans how long could a person stay in this temperature water how long could a person endure this amount of no food or no no drink how long can a person hold up this thing before their body gives out and throughout history and we think well yeah they did that back then like they threw people to lions back then into animals back then I need you to understand that this is actually happening right now. Like in our world right now, there are leaders who will take their, their dissidents, the people who disagree with them, and they will give them to wild animals today. Not 500 years ago, not 20 years ago, like now. It, it happens now. So you read the Den of Lions, you think that's just a Bible story. And we teach it to our kids. And it's crazy that we teach this to our kids. Like have our kids never watched a documentary of a lion eating an antelope? This is terrifying. It's like, it reminds me of when my mom named my youngest brother Noah, and she wanted to put Noah's Ark in his nursery. I said, Mom, that is like a, just people are dying everywhere in this scene. And you want to put it up in his baby's nursery, trying to scare the hell out of him, literally? Didn't work. Need to scare him more. We, we've just become so inoculated to this. I can't even use like these words anymore because the vaccine drama right now. We've become so vaccinated to this Bible story. We don't understand what is happening because we just read through it. We're like, I know the Sunday school thing. You already know what's going to happen next week. He goes into the den, round, round, meow, meow. Angel comes, woo, woo, get out. Yeah, that's the whole story. But what is going on for us today is so important here. Because Daniel read it, and it says, when he read the document, this is verse 10 of chapter 6, when he read the document that had just been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. Remember, at this time, he had been kidnapped as a young teenager. He had been held in a foreign land his entire life. I say that because some people will get put in what is called Facebook jail, and they're like, I'm being persecuted. I'm like, you have no idea. You have no idea. But then I thought about it. I thought, actually, 
There's something to this. Yes, being put in social media jail for, for being bold about your faith, not for being like angry about some other issue, but if you're being bold about your faith with the new law that passed in Texas, the heartbeat abortion law in Texas that a baby can't be aborted after a detectable heartbeat is found. As a follower of Jesus, I, I love that. I love humans. I love babies. I love life. And you could come at me with all the other things, but what about if the mom doesn't want it? Are you going to adopt it? No, but I'll find someone who will. I'll find someone who will. And maybe we will. Will we? No, I'll find someone who will. I'll find someone who will. I love life. I love babies. I love that God created us and gave us the ability to make life. So you can post about this and you can have reports on you. Now, why I say this is so insignificant is because Daniel was kidnapped as a young teenage boy and taken from his land, taken from his parents, taken from the things that he knew and were comfortable, taken from his culture. It'd be as if someone took one of your sons, put them on a plane, took them to a foreign culture that is totally other from what we are. But he was faithful. And he had a window open toward Jerusalem. And when he read this document that if someone prays to another god, they're going to be thrown into the den of lions, it says something very powerful. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. He didn't find a reason to get angry. He was already doing the thing that would get him in trouble. He wasn't like, oh, the government says this. Well, I'm going to do this. That's a tendency we have as human beings. Some of us are wired this way, where when someone pushes on you, you push back. And right now, you may feel like our government is pushing on you and I. You may feel like there's some overreach being had. We came here to escape a king, a monarch, who essentially could say, these are my rules. And England had, I mean, they have their own wild rulers of their own. They're very, very dictator-oriented people. Henry VIII killed his wives, and he, he divorced his wife. And literally, in order to divorce his wife, he started an entire new branch of Christianity. He was like, well, the Catholic Church isn't going to let me do this. So I'm going to start a whole new religion so I can divorce and kill all the wives that I want to divorce and kill. Sounds like a great religion way to go Church of England. And this lineage came down to us, and we're like, why are we giving homage to this king? We want to be free. We want to have free speech, freedom to practice whatever religion we want. This week I read about cats about them just to like get my mind in the mood. Like, okay, what is it like living under a tyrannical government? Fun fact, did you know that one in 200 men is a direct descendant of Genghis Khan? I'll give you one guess on how that guy conquered half the known world. He was a major league baby maker. One in 200 men, alive today, a descendant of Genghis Khan. In Mongolia, 35% of all males, because it's a Y chromosome trait, 35% of all Mongolian males are related to him. One third of all of a nation people are related to that guy who conquered most of the known world on his half of the planet. I just think about how do we go from a government where we can do what we want to then we can't, to where Christians begin to get mocked because that's not happening at all right now. Nobody gets mocked for their faith in America. Nobody gets 
condemned and judged harshly for their faith. For all of the flack that we get and all of the paintbrushes that, that I as a pastor get brushed with saying, oh, you're like this, it's been very interesting to me how often I'm trying to show love and all I'm receiving is vitriol, is anger or hate or malice back toward me. People assume that I must dislike them because of their life choices when they realize that I just don't have enough time to think about that, them that much, if I'm being honest. So how do we go from a government where people aren't getting eaten by wild animals, where people aren't getting uh, held in concentration camps, where people aren't being raped, murdered, and pillaged? How do we go from where we are to there? Because it doesn't just jump. Like, we don't just wake up one morning and went from a peaceful, free, worshiping God experience to an under-tyrannical government. You, we slide into it. And this is where I know I could feel like, I could feel all the conservatives just doing this inside right now because they think, they, I know where he's going, Hercules, Hercules. That's what I feel it and it, it bothers me. And my wife is going to be like, she's thinking right now, just say what you think. Babe, I can't say what I think, I'll get fired, okay? And it's not my job right now to say what I think. It's to say, what is Daniel doing? Daniel's in a position where he's doing what he's always done. If you are adjusting your, your posture, like if you were before the government started grabbing rights from you, if before that you were this like, eh, kind of God, kind of not, do what I want, eh, I don't know. And now that someone's going to like, we're going to put a mask on your kid and you're like, rise up. Then I'm going to say, well, Daniel was already doing this. I have thought of a side business, however, with this new vaccine mandate. I was thinking if I, I could create a form for a religious exemption for the vaccine and sell them online for like 500 bucks a pop. You think I'd make any money? Is that illegal now that I mentioned it live? Probably not. I'm a pastor. This is legit. Seems legit. Anyway, moving along. <laughs> That's so bad, isn't it? <laughs> but now some of you are like, well, maybe I could get ordained by the Holy Church of .com and do that. Maybe you could. It's my idea. I already patented it. I didn't. Daniel was doing what he had already done. He already was faithful to God in and out. He always presented himself to God. He opened his life, and even though he was taken from Jerusalem seven decades prior, he still knew where his home was. Where is your home? Where is your focus? Because if your focus is on this world, this time, this political system, this little piece of land on North American continent, if your mind is transfixed on this, then you will find yourself swallowed up as the times change and shift, because if I've learned anything as a student of history, it's that times will change and shift. And history goes in pendulums. And now that the world has had a freedom like we've had in America, which is a glorious and beautiful freedom. If you read through history, there are rarely times that you can find in history where men and women and children experience what we have now. I, I, I would wager to say there is no time in history where our freedoms have created things that have helped bring humanity closer to a more beautiful picture of what it will be like in God's kingdom, where there's less hunger. As a matter of fact, it's the first time in history where we are we're overfed people. We have medicine that's curing things. We have vaccines that you can thank God for. I didn't say which ones, so do that which we will back who was ever chirping in the back, Don. You do whatever you're going to do back there. We've got, like, Motrin. I was talking to Stuart, our, our guy Stu, who's been helping out 
and uh, we're, we're trying to organize a race with our zero-turn mowers, me and Stuart, because we got a new zero-turn mower for the lawn, and, and Brendan uses it, but they're going to teach me how to use it, teach this city boy how to mow with that thing. And um, But Stuart did that run, the 9-11 run yesterday, and he hurt his knee. And I said, go take some Motrin and rest. You know when you can't say that? Like literally 100 years ago. Like 100 years ago, it's not go take some Motrin and lie down. Let me get you a cold bottle of water. 100 years ago, it's like go home. Let's throw some leeches on that bad boy. Yeah. Let's wrap it in grape leaves and do some juju voodoo over it. Like 100 years ago. Well, maybe not quite that, that bad. You would bind it. But there was no Motrin. You're not popping your generic Tylenol. You're taking quinine and getting tanked at noon just for a little knee ache. So America has done some amazing things. I'm sure, as, as I did yesterday, many of you looked at the 9-11 memorials every year. 20 years. Someone say that out loud. 20 years. The fastest 20 years of your life. What were you doing on 9-11? You remember clear as crystal, right? And we rose up to fight evil. Here's how Daniel rose up to fight evil. Got down on his knees. Does it mean we don't fight? No, as Christians, I think we can be called to just wars, to fight against great evil and atrocity. I think there are evils now that we're just ignoring in large part. If you want to see what's going on in North Korea, Google Yeonmi Park or Park Yeonmi. She's a gal who escaped from North Korea by way of China as a young girl. And, uh, and her story is captivating. And we'll blow your mind the things that are going on in North Korea right now. And we're just sitting here, you know, snoozing notifications on the iWatch, drinking bottled water, about to get snow cones. I'm going to play in a jumpy house, and I'm going to go out there and have a good time, even though this message is the biggest downer. Because here's what I love. I want you to do what God has called you to do to press into him. I set an alarm in my phone. My phone goes off at the three times a day that Daniel's phone goes off. 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock. My alarm goes off, it buzzes, I pray. He prayed three times a day toward Jerusalem. We have a heavenly home, a heavenly kingdom. We have a benevolent dictator who loves us and embraces us and forgives us. But we are obsessed with our country here on earth. It's not bad. Just don't make this your primary home. Some call what we have right now tyranny. But I need you to pay attention to the story. In this story... They trapped him by saying, let's not let him do what he's all already been doing. If someone says, next week, we forbid the chapel to gather and to worship Jesus, I will be here worshiping Jesus and gathering with whoever comes. If they send officers, and I say yet because I think it will come to this, because Christianity is getting more and more marginalized, people of faith are getting more, more and more marginalized, we say, keep your faith to yourself. Don't let, don't let your faith spill into politics, into real life. I don't know where else faith is supposed to go. It's not just this little warm candle in my heart that makes me feel good. It's a person who saved me and says, now go and bring other to, others to me, into this family. If faith doesn't affect your politics, if faith doesn't affect how you love your neighbor, if faith doesn't affect how you bring in your neighbor's trash can, if faith doesn't affect how you forgive your spouse, if faith doesn't affect how you parent, how you work, how you pay your employees, then I don't know what in the world you have faith for. Faith should permeate into all aspects of our life, faith specifically in Jesus. So that when the government comes, we're already living faithfully. And we're saying, I've, I've been doing this, I'm not going to stop. 
There are passages. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. These are in the scriptures to consider in the Bible app notes. The Bible says, be subject to the government because God put them there. There is not a king or president in power that God didn't appoint to that place. Be subject for the Lord's sake, 1 Peter 2.13, to every human institution. But there's a, always this asterisk by these. The asterisk is, it can be found, it's really summed up in Acts 5. Peter and the apostles answered when they were being confronted, we must obey God rather than men. God, country. You know, God and country, that whole thing. So when the country says to do something against God, what do we do? Just load it up, ready to go, right? No? Wrong? Right? I'm looking for an answer here. We do load it up. Are we going bow? Are we going knife? What are we doing? Oh, we're going to pray. I like that. So you've been listening. Whoever that was over there, listening, we pray. We just get down on our knees and pray. Does it mean that there's not a time? I'm going to make my wife so happy right now. I'm just going to confess some things, okay? I've got to get them off my chest. As I read this, half of me wants to be the angry, stay out of my life government. I don't have any guns or ammunition or bows and arrows or cryptocurrency. I lost them all in a boating accident years ago, okay? If you want to come to my house, I might have found some things from my boating accident. I don't know. Well, are you condoning violence? No, like I don't want to be a violent person. I want to some days, I want to just go to jail. It sounds somewhat pleasant, okay? Three meals a day, unlimited toilet paper, time to exercise and work out, and I can nap and my kids won't wake me up. Like that sounds peaceful, right? Parents, amen, nobody? And I think that's how it will go because as Christians get marginalized and if we have a, a outward expression of our faith that the world doesn't like because culture swings, the pendulum swings from liberal to conservative is how it goes throughout history. You could also look at it in the biblical arc of the Babylonian empires. Babylonian, this is the first Babylon, the actual Babylon. It rose and then it began to fall. And every empire has this same pattern where someone accumulates power, greed, corruption, politics take over, things happen, the, the governing authorities lie to your face, and then that's usually around the peak. Morality begins to fade. People say, I will choose good and evil for myself, which is the exact same thing Adam and Eve did. They said, oh, we want to choose good and evil for ourselves. And now we're in a country that says, no, we choose good and evil for yourselves. Literally 20 years ago, abortion was safe, legal, and rare. And now it's celebrated, like with hats. And people say, stay out of my business. And I'm like, it's, that's another human being. And they say, my body, my choice. And then they're like, now you must take the vaccine or you don't love other people. And what Babylonian things do is they, the governments, the governing authorities, they pit people beneath the most powerful against each other. This is a, a classic technique in how to run a tyrannical government. You turn people against each other. You distract with other issues. So every time anything happens in our government, I'm just going to give you this freebie. When 9-11 happened and we go to war there, when the Vietnam War happened, when Desert Storm happened, when we pull out of Afghanistan, the first question that I ask, because I've, not because I'm a pol political inclined person, but because I read the Bible, the first question I ask is, what's happening with the powerful, powerful people and money. Like right now, I wanna know right now. 
Because anytime that something goes on in the world and every news source is blasting it at you, that's when the powerful people can do whatever they want. And it usually has to do with accumulating power and or money because in our culture, money is power in many ways. So when he pulled out of, out of, out of Afghanistan, I thought, okay, money. Where's the money? Well, who's, who's making what off of this? And it's a, it's a sad and sick way that I hate my heart does this. And I do, like, I'll pray. I pray for the families who are stuck. I pray for the Marines who were killed. I pray that God would turn the hearts of the Taliban leaders to Christ. Like, I'm not just stopping at the miracles for temporary safety. My God, grab the Taliban leaders who are radical followers of their sect of Islam and turn them for Jesus. I know you can do it. I've seen it done before. So I'm not just stopping with, like, just the little, like, pray for safety. I'm like, no, God, turn a country upside down because the Bible tells us to pray for our leaders and I just say I'm going to pray for all the leaders. I don't pray the happy prayers when a president I voted for is in office and then when a different president is in office I don't pray those prayers from the Psalms. They're called imprecatory prayers where it's like God grind his bones to dust. Let his enemies feast on his flesh. Like I don't do that. Like those are in the Bible for a purpose. I encourage you to look at them but don't pray them over someone just because you don't like them a little bit or their policies. And some of you are thinking, well, it's not that I just don't like Joe Biden. It's that, is he even really there? I know. I'm here to talk to you as your pastor. Donald Trump and Joe Biden are made in the image of God. That's all we need to know. Yeah, but one of them is fulfilling that image more. Really? If there's anything that you can learn if you come to this chapel family, is that we are busted, broken, jacked up. And not one, you can try to measure out the morality from one president that you like to another, or maybe you're looking forward to the next one. People are saying it's, you know, maybe DeSantis versus Biden for the next one. Well, I'm a DeSantis guy. Oh, well, I'm a Biden guy. Well, DeSantis says this. He kills people, and Biden does this. He kills babies. Like, well, who are we going to follow? What, as Christians, what do we do? Position your life faithful to God, looking to his kingdom, not focused on making this place your here, now, everything and all. Because if this place is your everything, it will let you down. Like I get let down every week when I drive by my house to see if they've done anything new on it. My builder, we're building a house just down the road from here in Hawkstone, and the builder is, um, he sends the lamest, weakest emails. Like we get a Friday email, and it's not even sentences. I think he's voice texting it. Our last one was, waiting on materials, should have been here this week. That's it. I'm like, bro, I'm living in my mother's living room. My boys are in bunk beds in an extra living room. My daughter's sleeping on a cot. Their computer gaming takes up the whole front entryway. My wife and I are sleeping on a queen bed. In case you can't tell, I'm not fit for a queen bed. Bella has her own crib and room, and there's a gymnastics bar that my kids fight over and damage each other on every day. We're sharing a fridge from 1984 with the two doors that you open, freezer, fridge. There's like four shelves. It wouldn't feed my family if it's just us, but my mom and stepdad are there, and Lord knows my kids never get on their nerves. So literally my wife's entire day is 
like whack-a-mole, like, shh, stop, <gasps> shh, go, oh, pick it up, pick it up, clean up, pick it up, pick it up, you broke this, oh no, you broke that, oh no, you wrote marker on the cold wood table, erase that, erase this, do this, fix this, and we're just like freaking out every day, oh my gosh, Lord, how are we ever going to make it out of here, and then my builder's like, everything's running a little bit late, I think, I walk by, and I'm just watching this house, I have so much hope in this house, but the longer I stare at it, the more I realize, like, oh, I don't think that's level. And there's wood there that's going to go to our interior walls. And I was like, why is this wood here? You guys haven't put the trusses up because you haven't been able to fill the walls with concrete and rebar. So, like, my wood is just going to sit out here in the rain, in Florida rain. By the time you build my house, it's going to be just termite-ridden, destroyed wood. I'm going to be able to push my walls over. Everything in your life, this is a real pick-me-up. In 150 years, no one remembers your name. Nothing. Unless you're Genghis Khan, Donald Trump, or Joe Biden, no one remembers your name. Like, that's it. So be faithful, and don't put your treasure here. Do what Daniel did. He lived contently. He was so peace-filled, God-filled, spirit-discerning-filled. He knew exactly what to say so that the governing authorities wouldn't try to crush him. And instead, they exalted him. Christians, followers of Jesus, we can still be that, but it's not going to be by being jerks for Jesus. If you're going to be out there being a jerk for Jesus, you're probably not going to make it very far. I'll give you an example. I just don't like being told what to do, okay? This is why God when I got saved, it wasn't the footprints in the sand. That's a chapel joke. It was butt prints in the sand because God just dragged me along. And I was like, no. So my journey with God is him dragging me and me complaining and trying to hit his hand off. So when people say, you must do something, and you can ask my mom. Like, my mom knows this about me. My wife knows this about me to a T. If you tell me I have to do something, it doesn't matter how stupid the opposition is. I'm doing it. Don't jump off of that. <laughs> you have to fill in any blank you want. If you say, Ryan, you have to wear a mask, wear this, wear short shorts, whatever it is. Like, I'm like, I have to do that? I ain't doing it. I have to do something? I, I rebel against it. That's my personality. So my kids, the mask mandate happened. And you guys... Mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine. Here's what I'll tell you, not qualified. My personality says, just do what you want, kids. My mom works at the school, so I said, Mom, my kids might be a little rebellious because I'm just tired. Like, I wear a mask for an hour, my ears hurt, they get chafed, and I'm like, how can I tell my kids to do it? I don't even do it. And some of you are like, well, this is my last time here, Ryan. You're a murderer because you don't wear a mask. You know what? I'm a lot of things, and a murderer's probably one of them. Be scared. How do you like that response? Don't you care about people? Probably not as much as I pretend to. Don't you want to save lives? Not my job description. No, if I want to save lives, I'd be an EMT, paramedic, doctor, nurse. I'd be a nurse. Filipinos are always nurses, am I right? Just like so many, like every male Filipino nurse out there, my guy. No, I save souls. I point souls to Jesus. I'm here because there's a God who sees me and knows that I care less 
than most people think I care. He knows how much I care. He says, I still love you. God knows that I am an ornery, stubborn human. And if someone says, wear a mask, I'm like, I'm not going to wear a mask. And then someone says, well, you're killing people. And in my mind, I'm like, maybe I am. By the way, I already had the COVID vaccine, the COVID virus. I have natural immunity, which apparently, if you read one study but not another, gives me seven-time Hulk immunity versus the shot and the jab and the leg and the thigh and the butt. No, I don't even know anymore. I just quit it all. I'm like, I quit. I got it. I feel good. If you cough on me, I'll be a little pissed. I won't cough on you. I'll try my best. Kids, don't say pissed. Bad example. <laughs> this is why it's so good that we have a God that loves us, positions himself. And you might think, I want to be just like Daniel, and I'm here to close this out by saying this. Daniel is the second best behaved character in the Bible. It goes, Jesus, Daniel. Daniel is not something that we can all aspire to be if we're being honest with ourselves. Daniel lived before the Holy Spirit lived inside of humans. We have the Holy Spirit within us, and because of that, we know what kind of creatures we are because the Holy Spirit shows us. Look at how selfish you are. Look at how prideful you are. Look at how self-centered you are. Look at how uh, ego-driven. Look at how success-driven. Look at how achievement-oriented you are. You do all these things for you, and I want you to do all these things for God because God gave, gave everything for you. So when you fail, when you fall, when you don't say the right thing, when you don't have the wise words, remember that Jesus did and does on your behalf and that the Spirit of Christ lives in you. You can have access to grace and peace and kindness. God gives you that access when you become a follower of Jesus. He takes shackles off of you, whereas before you were, the Bible calls, enslaved to do stupid things. When you become a follower of Jesus, he says, you're free from that now. You're free. You're free to go any direction. You go. I hope you're coming this direction. I'm going to lead you this direction. It might be slower for some of you than others. But we have this ability to do good, to stay faithful, despite tyrannical governments opposing us, because it's exactly what Jesus went through on our behalf. Jesus lived in a government where the king, when he was born, murdered a bunch of toddlers to try to hold on to his power. Jesus lived in a government that crucified criminals by nailing them to a cross, not so that they bled out, but so you suffocate on your own fluids. That's, that's how you die, of asphyxiation when you get crucified. They also threw people into places where there were wild animals. Jesus lived in that government. He said, pay them taxes. Don't mind them. My kingdom is here. And my kingdom is a kingdom that's going to bring forgiveness and love and hope and mercy and grace. And it's going to grow from the roots. And it's going to crack every kingdom in the earth that has ever existed and will ever exist in the future. And we get to be those kingdom roots in the midst of America. You might want to go back to the 50s. I hear that so often. I just want to go back to the way it was. Back to the way it was. My joke with my mother-in-law, she tells me, you just won't understand how it was back then. And remember that, that magazine cover that I always remind you about? There's a Time article, magazine article teaching husbands how to properly spank their wives. So I tell my wife, she's, she goes, can't we just go back to the way it was? I'm like, if you want, you want, you know? <laughs> Whatever is on your agenda. Just, you were nine? That was naughty? That's why Jesus died for me. Y'all, I love you.
Be the kingdom people God has called you to be. When this world's tyranny falls on you, I pray that you're already found in Christ and you're not scrambling at the last minute to figure out who you are in him. You are loved, you are embraced, you are saved, you are empowered, you are gifted to make a difference in the lives of those around you. You don't have to be on the prominent level of a president or some great ruler or company leader. You are exactly who God has made you to be and he's gifted you to impact somebody today. Not tomorrow, not next week, not when you graduate college, not when you finish high school. Today you can make a massive difference because you have the divine spirit of the living God living within you. It says, now go be this light and, and show this world what my kingdom is. It's a kingdom that cannot be broken. It's a kingdom that shatters other kingdoms, but not with power and authority. In this go around, we're building up from within. When Jesus comes back, he comes with an iron scepter on a horse with a tattoo on his thigh and fire in his eyes, and he will end it all. Let's pray. Father, let us have fun out there today. Lord, it's going to be hot outside, so I pray that the kids, Lord, the kids are going to have such a fun day, and the adults, what a downer sermon. But I'm so grateful for you. I'm grateful for that when the time comes, Lord, you've given me enough that I will continually turn to you, open my window, get down on my knees and pray. And when someone tells me I can't, I will, because I will always obey you, Lord, before I obey someone who contradicts and tells me to go against what you've taught me. Lord, where I am wrong, show me where I am wrong because I'm sure that in this room, most of us are wrong in a hundred different places, in a hundred different ways. Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Green Party, not Care Party. Lord, we're wrong in so many ways in, in how we even approach you, I'm sure, because you are infinite and we are just these little peons walking around in a, a ball of dirt hurtling through space. So give us perspective, Lord, that your ways are not our ways and your, your thoughts are so high above our thoughts. Give us perspective on how we can live and love you more deeply in these trying times. And when the government comes for us, Lord, help us to remember that we are followers of Jesus before we are any other affiliated party. In Jesus' name, amen.